Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio all the way out in Costa Mesa, California. I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm your host, Dave Mays, yet again for another amazing episode. Today is Monday, the 20th of September 2021 as I'm recording this, and a lot has happened in the last week since we last spoke in my personal life. I celebrated seven years of marriage to this woman here, uh, my amazing wife, Laura, uh, we went to uh, the Opryland Hotel here in Nashville, and we had a ton of fun uh, being like parents with no, or like a married couple with no kids. Uh, my parents actually watched our boys for the first time we've ever done that um, in their life, doing an overnight kind of thing. We had a little staycation. We went to the uh, Opryland Hotel. We got to go to this German restaurant at the Opryland or Opry Mills. Um, uh, what's it called? The mall there. Oh my gosh. This was like my favorite thing of the whole trip. This incredible German restaurant it reminded me so much of my time in Germany when I went to Photokina, the last one that ever uh, existed with my good friend, uh, Connor McCaskill. Um, that was a heck of a trip um, with Kino Tika. That's actually when I got to meet Kai W for the first time. And uh, yeah, I was going to pull it up, but I don't have time uh, because we got to get moving here. Anyways, congratulations to myself, I guess. Uh, seven years of marriage. It's been a long journey and I have uh, really enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, and having kids and all that is a whole new thing, a whole new chapter. So a lot of you guys know what I'm talking about. If you do, let me know on the socials. Uh, I'm using the C70 today. Last time I used the uh, Olympus camera. Uh, I think the C70 looks a little prettier. What do you think? Uh, I'm still rocking the ATEM mini switcher thing. Got my picture in picture. I've got my main shot. It's pretty awesome. This thing is legit. So let's get started with some follow-up. Um, last week was the iPhone week, uh, iPhone 13 and 13 Pro. And one of the things that I talked about is this new cinematic mode that seems to be pretty promising for filmmakers and people who want to just be able to snap sh some shots on the go that looks somewhat professional. Uh, basically, it's doing portrait mode for video. And uh, some more things have come out about it that I wasn't aware of at the time of the recording last week. Basically, it is capped at 1080p at 30 frames per second. And this is an interesting thing that they've put here on the website. Uh, they're saying 1080p at 30 frames per second specifically, which is odd that they would put that term there. I feel like cinematic mode inherently would be 24 frames per second. So um, the fact that they're saying that, maybe that means it's the maximum frame rate at 30, and I would assume you'd be able to switch down to 24. Uh, we will see. I feel like if they're going to put anything there, if they're going to cap it at anything, it should be 1080p 24. Uh, we'll just have to kind of see until that comes out. And then another thing that is uh, of note is ProRes video recording, by the way, is not out yet. And I'm real excited to see what this is going to be. But basically, they're going to be able to uh, unlock like uncompressed ProRes recording on the new iPhones um, up to 4K at 30 frames per second. But they're limiting it at 1080p at 30 frames per second for any models with 128 gigabytes of storage. 
um, which makes sense. Like you're only going to get a couple minutes of ProRes at that file size, but just keep that in mind if you are buying this specifically as a backup video camera. Um, I have a feeling that many uh, studios and even YouTubers and creators out there may start using iPhones legitimately as uh, B and C cameras. Uh, I know I will certainly try it out. Uh, I did not buy one. The pre-orders happened last weekend. Um, and I just, yeah, I'm not really doing YouTube right now. So I didn't feel a need to buy one. But my good friend Drew Photo, uh, who we've had on the show, bought one. And then a couple other people responded on Twitter as well and said they have one. So Hopefully I can get a hold of one, do some tests myself, um, and do a, a little mini review potentially. I'm still kind of figuring out what I want to do for my channel. Uh, I am very excited this week. Uh, Zach and Connor and I are going to get together and shoot something. So uh, hopefully by next week I'll know exactly what I shot. I think it'll be something along the lines of, you know, why I quit Indie Mogul or... I'm back or something like that being the title. Um, I've kind of gone back and forth all throughout the last couple months on what to do with my channel. And you guys who have listened to the show have heard every single little thing. And I've talked to different uh, people about it. Uh, I'm just going to go for it and just kind of go back into doing tech and camera stuff. Uh, maybe some parodies here and there. Maybe some retro gaming thrown in there. Uh, it's going to be more of a Dave Mays channel rather than just like straight gear reviews like I've done in the past. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. Anyways, we're not here to talk about that. Let's move on to um, the next topic, which is the new GoPro Hero to 10. I almost said two. Uh, we're long past that. Um, yeah, I mean, another GoPro. Uh, kind of marginal updates here and there. It's got a blue logo on it now which is nice. Um, I think it's GoPro's kind of doing what Apple does with the new iPhone uh, releases. And it's true with the 13 from the 12 that the iPhone 12 Pro, which is what I have, is so good that I really don't feel the need to upgrade at all. Um, I feel like GoPro is kind of doing that as well. Like the, the Hero 9 was really good. So if you own that one, the 10 may not be very tempting to you to upgrade. But GoPros have been around for so long. There's a lot of people that have them and use them. Uh, we personally own a GoPro Hero 7 that we use for work. And upgrading from a 7 to a 10 is a huge jump. That That is a big upgrade. So even though there's some marginal upgrades here with the 10, um, it makes sense that GoPro would kind of just put this out there. They've got a new processor in the, in the thing. It's the... Uh, GP2. Uh, this is their second iteration of them making their own silicon. Again, just like Apple, they're doing their own processing. Um, there is a video, of course, that's shot so beautifully and so epic. Um, so let's give it a watch here. This is the infamous sound effect. There it is. GoPro Hero 10 Black. Powered by the new GP2 processor. Everything is faster. Everything is smoother. Everything is easier. 4K video at 120 frames per second. That's pretty awesome. 5.3K at 60. 91% more resolution. Hyper smooth 4.0. Impossibly smooth video stabilization. It really is in this shot. A dog. I'm going to go back on that. Holy cow. A dog running. And it looks like a gimbal. 
Look at this. Holy cow. Yeah, that's nuts. Upload your footage to the cloud. Uh, GoPro has their own kind of like cloud service. The quick app. Again, they're not targeting pros, ironically. This is more for, I guess, just travel people and, and normal people. I wonder what their, really, their real market is. Shoot rough. Shoot soaked. Waterproof up to 33 feet. Meters, sorry. 360 horizon lock. Level up with mods. Man, this is a quick video. Pro vlogging. I guess. Easy live stream streaming. Guy going in an airplane, doing a flip. That's cool. Guy skiing down a mountain. Puritan Black. GoPro. So, I mean, a lot of these features, like these are great features, very professional um, things that you can do. 4K at 120. You can even go higher, 5.3K at 60. Uh, they've, in, you know, advanced their, their stabilization technology, which at this point is just so good. There's no reason to use a gimbal with a GoPro ever. It's just so, it's kind of magical if you've never used this new HyperSmooth technology. You should definitely check it out. Um, and, you know, this cloud service, that's, you know, whatever. I don't think, any, I don't think anybody uses that. Um, it's a cool idea. I think it's fairly affordable and there's unlimited uh, storage backup, but like I don't only use a GoPro. So, you know, having an unlimited GoPro backup cloud service uh, would really be for people who are like real hardcore pro like GoPro users. Um, 23 megapixel photos. That's cool, I guess. But I feel like photos aren't something that many people take on GoPros. However, I've always been surprised with the quality of the photos that they come out sharper and cleaner than the video in a lot of cases. Um, super rugged, obviously. Um, and uh, this is an interesting feature now that they've included. And this has happened before already. They've, they've done this on other cameras, I believe. Um, there's a 360 degree horizon lock, which is an interesting feature to have. Basically, you can see a shot here of... Uh, a guy holding a stick he does a back a front flip or something and basically the horizon stays completely level now i do believe you need an additional accessory the max lens gopro so they did kind of include that in that video it says on the bottom right it says max lens mod on so you do have to buy a 100 lens in order to enable um this horizon lock feature and that's something that we're already seeing from uh, Insta360 on all of their cameras now. The Insta360, what's the big one? The GoTo that everybody's talking about. Now, the quality of this one is nowhere near as good as the, the new GoPro. But this does have a horizon lock feature and it's 300 bucks instead of the, uh, what is the GoPro Hero Black cost? 10 They keep They keep the same naming structure, but... Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good for, I mean, GoPro is selling it for $399 with a one-year subscription, but then on Best Buy, it's $499. I don't know. So I'm just going to go with Sweetwater and uh, GoPro, $399. So pretty cool. Um, low light has gotten better. Uh, 
I would assume they're doing some similar type of low light stuff as the iPhone. Uh, you can do some uh, webcam stuff. You can connect it to your phone and do live streaming. Uh, it basically offers everything the Hero 9 already offered. It does great uh, slow motion. It's got that front-facing LCD screen, which was kind of unleashed to the world with the DJI Osmo actions. Um, and I think Cine D kind of sum, sums it up well here in their article. Do you need it? Yes, but only if you're the type of shooter who uses GoPros for your content needs. GoPro defined the action camera, and while it's faced robust competition from other brands, it still manages to keep its lead in the market. The new Hero 10 is an amazing upgrade for the previous generation. The whopping 5.3K resolution, the new GP2 processor, and HyperSmooth 4.0 will be a welcome addition to your toolkit. And that's written by Jarl Slav Altunen on Cinity. Sorry for butchering your name there. Um, but yes, plug, plug, plug to Polar Pro. Uh, we make amazing ND filters for GoPros. In fact, that's literally how the name Polar Pro came to be. Uh, our founder uh, and the CEO of the company, Jeff, he started uh, with GoPros and basically he was going snowboarding and the exposure was just out of whack completely because it was so bright and the, the white snow was reflecting and the camera was just overexposed like crazy. So he started kind of putting together uh, his own ND filters for GoPros and thus the uh, Polar Pro, uh, he made a polarizer actually originally, Polar Pro for GoPro. He made a polarizer originally um, to kind of help with the reflection of the snow when going snowboarding and uh, the name stuck forever. So that's how we got our name. And uh, we posted on our uh, Instagram account that it does work with the 10 uh, and the 9. So the 9 and the 10 have the same body. So the the Hero 9 filters that we've already created for the Hero 9 fit the 10 perfectly. Um, so if you're in the market for um, custom ND filters for your GoPro, check out Polar Pro. It's literally like the best option. Uh, we use Cinema Series Glass. This, uh, this is crazy. I usually don't like do polar pro advertisements in these but this is truly the best product for the gopro it's so turnkey you just snap off the filter that comes with the gopro you can see in this video here and then you snap on our filter it can it you know keeps the waterproof design and the dustproof design and gives you uh, different stops of nd you can do nd 8 16 and 32 uh, it dramatically helps with uh when you're shooting outdoors and we have a bunch of other uh, accessories as well. So uh, just had to plug that in there uh, because Polar Pro makes filters for GoPros and the new GoPro Hero 10 uses those same filters. Uh, GoPro also has all these other mods now. I don't know if anybody's used these. I haven't seen anybody really use them, uh, but you can get like a light, like a little microphone for pro vlogging is what they say. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't think GoPro... Uh, I don't know if anybody else can agree with me here. GoPro's marketing is so good that they've sold me on them almost every single year. And when I was doing freelance videography, I would buy them and think like, oh, I'm going to stick this like in a unique angle on a shoot. Or like there are circumstances where GoPro comes in handy. But now with the iPhone being so good um, and it being waterproof, uh, it is kind of like... 
it, it is a specialty item for sure. And it's shocking to me how many GoPros GoPro sells because they kind of sell it on this action sport mentality, but like how many people are actually doing that? Are there enough to sustain this very expensive company? You know, that's worth a ton of money. What is GoPro worth? GoPro worth stock. Are they in stock market? I think they are. 9.41. 9. Market cap 1.45 billion. They opened at 9.3. I don't know. I don't know anything about this. All I know is that when you do a, a one year or a five year zoom out, five years ago, they were at 17.15. Uh, they went way down last year to 2.48, and they've gone up quite a bit over the last year to 9.41. So that's good. GoPro is on the uptick. Good for them. <laughs> so I don't know much about stocks. But anyways, um, let me know if, if you agree. Like, do, Does GoPro hook you into their amazing marketing and make you buy a GoPro even though you're not an action sport person? And if you aren't an action sport person, do you find yourself using the GoPro at all? Uh, I know for me this last weekend, my wife and I, we went to this little water park that's built into the Opryland Hotel. It's amazing. It's an indoor water park. And I was wishing I brought my GoPro because we were going down crazy water slides, and I just wanted to relive that moment. It was so fun. Um, and I like was debating whether or not I should bring my iPhone and use it. And I knew that my iPhone would probably be fine. But the water slide was so hectic and crazy. Like I could have dropped it, you know, shattered it, lost it. Um, and actually, if you're watching the video, you'll notice that I don't have any glasses on right now. That is because, this is a great story. Uh, I went an entire day at the water park, no problem, wearing my glasses. Every time I'd go down a water slide, I would like hold my finger on my nose, like where the, you know, where the glasses meet my nose, just to hold it in place. I never lost them. I was able to see, which was great. Um, and uh, I don't have terrible vision, by the way. I can actually drive without my glasses. Um, it's just, you know, it, everything's sort of blurry. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, no, I really can see pretty good. Like I can read, uh, street signs and everything. Uh, it's just a little blurry, <laughs> but, uh, it's not as bad as some of my friends who I know who literally can't see anything, uh, past, you know, their, their hand, you know, um, the last day I was there, uh, they closed at 8 PM and we were like, that place was very expensive. So we were just getting our money's worth and we were on the lazy river and it was 758. And we were looping around to the very end of the lazy river. All these employees are ready for us to get out of there. And we weren't the only people in the whole theme park, by the way. There's plenty of other people there that were doing what we were doing too. So I didn't feel too much like a jerk for staying to the last minute. But like I was getting off the inner tube on the lazy river, which has like a rapid, you know, turbo water kind of circle thing. And I, you know, because I'm not with, I don't have kids and, my wife and I were just kind of reconnecting and remembering why we love each other. I was just being goofy and stupid. And I kind of like fell off of the inner tube to be stupid and just like fell face first into the water. And of course, at 7.58 p.m., you know, two minutes before closing, my glasses fall off my head underwater 
and they just they just go because it's a lazy river and there's water pumps like all the way through this thing like blasting water creating you know rapids that keep the water moving and i don't know if you've ever seen any of the videos but i have clear glasses like i have those clear translucent frames and uh they were gone and they were practically they were invisible to to the eye uh, you had all these rapid water, you know, waves going on on the top. And, you know, if I had normal glasses that were like black framed, uh, you could have stood up on the top of the of the water and looked down and probably saw them. Um, but because I had translucent glasses, they just went. And like we went around in a circle like two or three times, like feeling the ground and just kind of like looking around. We could not find it. We told the employees they tried to look for it and they couldn't find it. Then the next day we went there and they couldn't find it. So, um, had to order some more glasses. Thankfully Zinni optical, not a sponsor, but Zinni optical, uh, is fairly affordable and it's a great website where you can just plug in your, uh, prescription and, uh, they have a ton of glasses that are very affordable, like 30, 40 bucks, uh, for a new frame. So, uh, I remember when I was a kid getting glasses was like a real big deal, with my parents because it was so expensive it was like we're talking you know three not 300 bucks for a frame uh with prescription glasses and now you can get them for like 30 40 bucks so i got some i got basically the same ones i had last time the clear ones with the blue light filter uh blocker so that you know when i'm looking at computer screens it doesn't wear out my eyes and when i'm outside i'm not having to worry about uv um hurting my eyes and stuff like that so Anyways, you live and you learn, I guess. Um, so moving on to uh, the next topic, <clears throat> and that is cameras. And I, I feel like this is something that uh, it's something I've been thinking about a lot, something I've been talking to my fellow YouTuber friends a lot. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I've been twiddling my thumbs on what to do next with YouTube. Uh, and that is that I feel like we've kind of arrived at a certain point with camera technology now where every camera is good. And I'm, I've talked about this a little bit in the podcast in the past with other people, but I just really want to drive this point home and, and basically flat out say outright, we have now arrived and we don't need to like debate or figure out which one's better, which color is better. It's all a matter of preference at this point. It always has been for most uh, cases, but you could point fingers factually at like, well, Sony skin tones, you know, are bad or uh, the 1080p on this is stupid. It should be 4K and, you know, there's no flip screen and there's no options here or there. And yes, you can kind of argue about how different uh, camera manufacturers have uh, less lenses, you know, Canon doesn't have as many lenses in their mirrorless lineup yet, uh, but that will change with time. And Sony has just an ungodly amount of lenses available now. Um, I just think camera YouTube, uh, if you watch it, you know, we're talking a lot of the people we've interviewed on this show, uh, Gerald Undone, Joshio, Saradici, um, you know, Mattia Poya, uh, you know, I've had a lot of great guests on the show, Sydney Diongzen, Jason Vong. Uh, you know, you can go back on our catalog and look at all these amazing creators. Kitty from Atola Visuals. 
I just feel like, and I was a part of that clan and that group, you know, with Kinotika and with Indie Mogul. And now that I've been out of it for seven months, I have found myself not watching as much of that YouTube as I used to. Now, maybe I'm a little jaded from it or something, you know, because I was so involved in it. But I've kind of lost interest in cameras, which is like, it's, it's not, that's not fully true. I love camera technology. I love talking about it. I love nerding out about specs and new features and things. I'm always going to love camera tech and all the interesting things happening in that space. But when I was starting out just three years ago, there were so many things that were just obvious that nobody was doing. Canon, for example, three years ago was so hesitant to put 4k in anything. Uh, they were disabling their autofocus uh, on cameras, you know, and, you know, it had dual pixel autofocus in one mode, but not in the other. Uh, Sony had some great stuff, but their color science wasn't great. The battery life was terrible. And, um, you know, there's no flip screen for those of us who wanted that. And then all the way down to like the consumer line of cameras, most of them didn't come with mic jacks or headphone jacks. They had terrible battery life. They also didn't have flip screens, even though a lot of vloggers and creators were using them. Um, and then when it comes to like professional video cameras, it was pretty limited too. Like you only had big expensive cameras uh, or, you know, the C300 line of, of cameras is wonderful. The C100 uh, kind of crushed it for a long time, but it was only 1080p. And even the C300 original was only 1080p. Um, the FS7 really kind of took over and kind of beat the C300 Mark II uh, in that world. The FS7, a lot of you guys, I'm sure, shot on that camera. And then, of course, the Alexas and the Reds were always available and stuff. But camera YouTube, uh, the world that I was a part of, really was fueled by kind of the needs of all these random things. And over the last three years, every camera manufacturer, all the way down to Olympus, Fuji and Panasonic, uh, Nikon, Canon, and Sony, all the big dogs, they've now created these hybrid cameras. They all have decent versions of them. And we have great cinema options as well. Uh, I say cinema lightly, but you know, video cameras like the C70 that I'm shooting on, the FX6 from Sony, um, and several others as well. Um, Sony and Canon seem to be the only ones really crushing it. Panasonic has tried to do uh, the very cam and all that, uh, and it didn't seem to work out. Their autofocus situation is just atrocious, and they continue to, to suffer there. And that's something we can always poke fun at at Panasonic and uh, Jordan Drake using his S1H with no autofocus. But it doesn't matter because he's operating the camera. And a lot of you guys probably don't care when YouTubers are complaining about uh, bad autofocus because uh, you're operating the camera manually. Um, but I would argue that having it is a useful tool even when you are operating manually because I use the C70 and I use the autofocus as a tool. I turn it on and off when at will and uh, it's always more accurate than I am looking at a tiny screen, that's for sure. But anyways, I think it's an interesting time and I think a lot of camera YouTube, other than the people who just without a doubt love just journal, you know, being journalists, documenting the, the news and talking about the features. I think a lot of those people who've been here for the last 10 years on YouTube, 
um, the kind of OGs, they will continue to do that. And other people who love that will continue to do that as well. I just know for me personally, um, things have to kind of move forward with this niche, uh, if you will, because we've definitely arrived at a point now where every camera is good and there's not so much to like talk about anymore because you're getting kind of like for being to be picky about 8k and 4k at this point is kind of silly. Cause like it really isn't that important. Like it, it's not important. It's not as important as having good color or like decent battery life. And we've kind of arrived now with all these different cameras. Obviously the a seven S three is kind of the winner right now. So many people have switched over to it. Uh, Canon has the R five. They just released the R three as well. We don't really know much about it yet. Uh, some more reviews have been coming out. It's you know, way more money than the R5. I actually had somebody comment and say they would still choose the R3 over the C70 for video. Um, you know, it, it to each their own. Having a full frame sensor is nice with uh, stabilization and everything. So, um, but it does have the 30 minute cutoff that most of their cameras have. Blackmagic has the amazing Pocket Cinema Camera 6K Pro with built-in ND filters, the ability to put a little EVF on it. And this thing is cheap compared to, uh, you know, cinema cameras from Canon and Sony. It's $2,500. Um, Blackmagic continues to just crank out these amazing uh, cameras with gorgeous, gorgeous image quality, Alexa-like image quality. Um, and if I were shooting on one right now, I'd be able to actually control all the settings with the A10 Mini. Uh, they've really done a wonderful job with that. If you want to like step down to kind of your more, more prosumer cameras, we have the A7C from uh, Sony, which is a great option if you want something really compact, lightweight, and fairly affordable. It's got the newer color science. It's got the great battery um, life. Uh, it's got the flip around screen and everything. Canon is still selling the EOS R, uh, and it's the exact same price as the A7C. I would argue that the A7C is a better deal than the EOS R for the same price of $17.99. Um, however, if you're a Canon diehard, the R is still a decent camera. The 4K crop is kind of silly. You can get an adapter and fix that with a speed booster if you really wanted to. Um, we actually use the EOS R at Indie Mogul. We shot everything in 1080p usually with that camera. Um, you know, if 1080p is all you need, it's decent. Uh, I would take that money and maybe buy a C100 used instead because uh, it's the same price. The Panasonic GH5 is still alive and well. The GH5 Mark II just came out and the GH6 should be coming soon. All somewhat decently affordable cameras. The GH5 is known for its amazing IBIS and uh, great uh, camera settings, slow motion settings. Fuji X-T4 as well. The list kind of goes on and on. Uh, Great colors here with that great retro design, great slow-mo, uh, 4K, autofocus has gotten really good with Fuji. Basically, what I'm trying to say is that I feel like the camera arguments need to stop and um, I don't think, I'm, I'm not really hearing them anymore. They used to be quite strong uh, on the internet and no matter what camera manufacturer you like, Pick one and go for it. And I think at this point, we can now stop <laughs> obsessing about camera gear and start thinking about uh, the things that matter. Composition, 
lighting, audio quality, um, learning about indie filters and why you should use them and how to get the proper, um, you know, motion blur using uh, filters, hashtag Polar Pro uh, filters, right? Uh, another little plug plug there. Um, and yes, a lot of, maybe this is just me getting older and bitter or something. And there were plenty of people telling me this three years ago when I was railing about, you know, Canon and Sony and this and that. And you could still argue, you know, certain things like uh, drones, you know, there's no, there's really nobody competing with DJI. So if somebody were to come out, you know, Autel is kind of trying their best. Uh, but if somebody were to come out and start competing with DJI, that would be interesting to see the kind of battle between them. Um, but DJI is just crushing it with their drones. And I think that is fascinating technology. That type of content continues to do well because it's advancing so much each year. Same for action cameras. Action cameras still look bad. Uh, when I was watching, you know, this GoPro ad, you know, I'm literally watching this brand new GoPro ad that came out in 2021. And the image, like, it doesn't look much different than a GoPro. Like, it still looks like a GoPro, which is kind of a, oops. <laughs> ah, stop. I've been watching a lot of Norm McDonald videos, so I accidentally just clicked on one there. But like GoPros have a GoPro look. I'm just pausing this here and it's like, this is a video that just came out promoting their brand new camera and it looks bad. It doesn't look good, I'm sorry. GoPros don't look good. They're a wide angle shot. The sensor is super tiny. Uh, the image is super warped and bad. Uh, they need to make the sensor bigger. You know, a one inch sensor would help tremendously. Um, and just keep advancing the color science on them to, to get better and better. And so I think, you know, action cam action cameras will get better and better. And that'll be interesting to, to watch and to watch YouTubers talk about. Um, Insta360 is doing some amazing stuff uh, that's kind of really competing with GoPro. And this GoPro video only has half a million views, which sound doesn't sound like, it sounds like a lot, right? But they have 10 million subscribers. Um, this is, you know, maybe there's not as much interest in GoPro as there used to be, because I remember a day when GoPro would release a camera and the camera would like get on trending on YouTube. Um, so I'm kind of like, oops, I just switched the camera to a shot that doesn't exist. I'm looking through their channel and it's probably just because they don't optimize their channel. Well, they're kind of just putting out crap. Um, just putting out random videos with no YouTube strategy. So the algorithm doesn't serve their videos well. So that's why they're getting low views. They need a new strategy. Their thumbnails suck. It's a, yeah, they need a new strategy there. Um, so anyways, that's my little rant today about cameras. And I think it's an interesting time uh, to be a filmmaker because there's so many options now and it's gotten so good that there's really no wrong option anymore. Heck, you can even use your iPhone in cinematic mode and get a good shot. So um, I want to kind of end this conversation with, um, something that I was just kind of talking about there when I was kind of railing on GoPro. I love YouTube and I love like the YouTube world and this, um, kind of learning about it and learning from the greats. And I would love to, if any of you guys are aspiring YouTubers, 
I would love to maybe do a channel review on these episodes if that's of any interest to you. So you could send me a link to your channel and we could talk about it. Um, maybe we can even have you on the show as a guest. Um, I've also got some guests lined up coming up soon. Like I said in the previous episode, um, we've got the drummer from Poison lined up and some other guests as well. Um, but on that note of like learning from YouTube, I have to throw out a recommendation this week for Colin and Samir. They finally posted their um, Mr. Beast interview. They've been kind of talking about it for weeks now. Um, they got to go to, um, is it North Carolina, South Carolina, something like that, the Carolinas to visit with Mr. Beast. And they did a two hour interview with him. Uh, let's just watch this intro because I know they probably worked really hard to get the intro good. I'm burnt down. Screw this. All we need is $20 million. Hey, Netflix, how much would you pay me? Yeah. We're in yeah. too deep. Every other day we'd have mental breakdowns. You're funny. You want a job? Yeah. Just yeah. put this out there. I did not enjoy being married a lot. Why Jimmy So, I make videos. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Colin. Anyways, Colin and Samir are awesome creators. I've been following their channel for a while now. Um, and that intro was like really intense. Um, but they've chaptered this entire thing. Kudos to them for doing that. How many chapters are there? I mean, there's got to be like 50 chapters, which is crazy. I've listened about halfway through. Um, and this, I think this is really important stuff. Um, whether you like Mr. Beast's content or not, he is kind of the king of YouTube right now. Where is he sitting at in terms of subs? I think he's at 70 million. Something like that. And yeah, he's almost at he's almost at 70 million subscribers, which is a huge feat because um PewDiePie famously got to 100 million subscribers. He was the first like real authentic creator, not, you know, T-Series was like the first, I think, but they're a, a giant company. PewDiePie was like an OG YouTuber. He's been doing it for so long. It took him a long time to get there. And Mr. Beast is probably going to get there in another year. He'll probably be, he'll probably be to 100 million. Um, and he's really just kind of mastered the art of the modern day uh, medium of, of creating films or, or videos. Uh, this is modern day television. And in the podcast with, uh, with um, Colin and Samir, they kind of talk about that. They show a $10 million warehouse that he built. Um, basically, you can see in this video by Mr. Beast, uh, he's put... 100 people in a circle, last to leave, wins $500,000. And this is in his new warehouse. He's able to build these giant sets. And in the podcast, he talks about how he's literally spending about a million dollars or more per video. Um, and that's, you know, that's way, that's still less than, you know, Game of Thrones or like uh, an Apple TV show would cost. Um, but he's getting way more exposure than those types of uh shows. So I think it's an interesting topic. It's an interesting thing. Uh, even if you're not interested in YouTube content, um, I think it's important to kind of look at what's happening in the industry because you may end up being, you may end up work for, you may end up working for a YouTuber 
And when you have that attitude of like, oh, this is just YouTuber, this is, you know, kid stuff or whatever, that's fine. You know, like it is kid stuff, so it might be cringy, but like really understanding what is happening with YouTube, what is happening with Mr. Beast gives you more perspective and a little bit more understanding of, of how impactful this is. And the fact that this guy is getting, you know, 50 million views in a month, uh, this video, or not even a month, that was two weeks ago. He posted this video two weeks ago. It's got 50 million views. Um, you know, if you sort by most popular, his most popular video is I spent 50 hours in solitary confinement, 142 million uh, views, which is actually low compared to Blippi. <laughs> uh, Blippi is a kid uh, YouTuber. And he's only got 13 million subs, but his most popular video has 821 million views. <laughs> Uh, 315 million views, 290 million, uh, views. And the, I mean, this guy is a, a kid YouTuber. So kids watch his content on loop. And I can tell you that they do because my kids do. Um, there's a great little clip, um, from, uh, Eric, who's another big YouTuber, uh, much smaller than Mr. Beast, but a big YouTuber nonetheless, you know, over a million subs. And, uh, he shares how much he makes for a million views. Check this out. Do you think YouTube pays you if you get a million views a video and you upload a video every single week? We recently talked to our friend Eric and he told us. In the last 90 days, I have made $154,000 in the last 90 days on AdSense. If he stays at that pace, that's $600,000 a year just from AdSense. And he said that's 25% of his overall revenue. And if someone wants to do the math, you can tell us all how much it's he amazing. makes a year by putting it in the comments. So that's... How much money do you think YouTube ah, pays you if you get a million looping. views a video and you upload a... So... Colin and Samir, everybody go subscribe. I'm already a subscriber, big fan. Um, that is mathematically, uh, somebody did the math here, uh, $2.4 million a year. And this is Eric, who is not, you know, he's not at all uh, Mr. Beast level, but he is working towards that, you know. Uh, he's 2.22 million subs. So, the potential for money um, making is so much higher <laughs> on YouTube than you probably realize. And, um, you know, I saw that a little firsthand as well, being with Indie Mogul, um, seeing how, you know, we were able to employ, it, it basically broke even, but we were able to employ a producer, two editors, myself and Ted. And, um, you know, it's, it's fascinating that a channel, a YouTube channel can become, you know, a full-time career. So it's just another reminder. And I think it's important to watch uh, the Colin and Samir uh, interview with Mr. Beast. I highly recommend it. I'll link it in the show notes and in the description of this video. And um, I think it's important to learn from these new wave creators, new wave. I mean, it's not, it's so, I'm so I sound like such a boomer right now, um, but it's true. It's the way things are headed. It's the type of content that you're going to be creating as a freelance uh, video person or photographer, even creating thumbnails, becoming a specialist in these things is highly sought after. 
uh, Hayden Hillier Smith, who we've interviewed on the show, Logan Paul's editor, he uh, is so specialized as a YouTube editor that he's highly uh, in demand. Uh, I know that Mr. Beast has talked to him and other people as well. Um, he's still working with Logan Paul, but he's in that world and it's so highly sought after. So if you become a specialist in the YouTube space, it can really work wonders for you. Um, anyways, that's it for today. This is the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mays. Hopefully you enjoyed this show. Uh, stay tuned. Next week, we're going to have an amazing guest on. Uh, we're actually doing our interview this Friday, so I can guarantee that next week we're having a surprise guest uh, that I'm real excited about. So thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Dave Mays. This is the Golden Hour Podcast, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>